Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And we are live in Philadelphia. Oh, exciting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Common Sense Podcast. Something's supposed to go there, but I don't remember <laughs> what. It's hilarious watching you, like, live right now. Because yes. <laughs> now I get to see the reactions and, like, the hand motions and everything, so it's hilarious. <laughs> yes, we are together in the same room for the first time. I know it's Many of you didn't know that because our sound quality is bomb, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> but we are finally in the same room in Philadelphia at the Black Mill Educators Convening, period. And we are having <laughs> a great time. And so we have stepped away from the conference and the festivities to bring you yet another episode. It's freezing here. I, I just had to throw that out there. I left Houston and it was 90 degrees and it is not 90 degrees here. It is currently 57 degrees here in Philadelphia. And it feels more like 32. Because of the wind and the buildings. It's disrespectful regardless. <laughs> when I saw your coat, I was like, okay, she's cold. Yes. She's really cold. I've had it on all day, not taking it off. And I feel like the hotel is free. freezing. Yeah. Yes. I I was not here for that. I sat right under right underneath a vent <laughs> um for the most part. So when I walk in rooms, I look for where the air is coming from so I'm not close to it. <laughs> Conference tips. You are welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. So we're gonna play a quick game to get us started. I am going to read a quote from a movie, a children's movie that deals with race. Now, this should be easy because there's not many of them. Okay. okay. Here we'll we go. See. Don't cheat, though, because you're. I'm trying right to look over at the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so the first one Following you, dorks, was a major mistake. I guess that's what happens when you read science fiction comics on the toilet all the time. I don't know why my default is always Harry Potter. That's not <laughs> no. Harry Potter. You said it was about race. Um, it's, man, I have no idea. Okay. It's not Little Rascals. Um, I don't know. Give me another quote. Okay. When you're living in color, sports and entertainment are the only sure bets for making the big time. I'll tell that to General Colin Powell. I feel like I'm about to lose a black card or something because I oh do not know what this movie goodness. is. I watched this in first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Oh, is it my friend Martin? Yeah. <laughs> nice job. Nice job. I'm Offer. sad that the fact that. Like watching it every year is what triggers Yeah, oh, right. Because that was teachers' go-to. Yes. For race conversations, it was a great movie. It is though. a good movie. I showed yeah. it last year. I'm gonna show it again this year. I showed it when I taught first grade. Yes, I loved it. I loved it. Okay, next one. This one's gonna be a little bit more challenging, but not really because okay. again, it's not really that much. I'm going to bed, and you should too, because school starts tomorrow. Falling asleep in class on the first day of school is frowned upon here in America. I know because I've done it. Have you even seen that movie? <laughs> yes, several times. And I showed it last year as a part of a unit on rates. I don't watch a lot of movies. Oh, um, my <laughs> goodness. I've not been on my A game recently. Um, yeah, now I need another quote. Okay, if you don't get this one, this is like telling you what's going on. Okay. I have a friend, a new friend from South Africa. Oh, Mean Girls. No. Wrong. No. <laughs> and this friend recently <laughs> told me about a bird found in her country. And what is remarkable about this bird is that it nests for all birds' nests. But this 
This particular bird nests in a community all unrelated to each other and all of different colors. No. No. I don't know what that is. You sure? I'm like 100% sure. You're in the family? Yes. And you're a congressman? Yes. Welcome to America. No. <laughs> Was that the name of the... No, that's a quote. No. It's the color of friendship. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's on Disney Channel. It's the it's a story of... We didn't have cable growing up. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's okay. That's okay. It is. I only watch cable at my grandma's house, but no, never well, seen it. I'll show you. It's the color of friendship. It's the story of a black girl in America whose dad is like a diplomat in South Africa during the apartheid. And so when the white girl the the white girl comes and she does like a foreign exchange kind of thing and she's racist as shit, you know, well, well because you know, <laughs> that's how things go. Maybe but, it's on YouTube. Um it was a great story of friendship. Having hard conversations around excuse me, around difference <laughs> and all that jazz. It's good. You should watch it. It's on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> You go down YouTube holes recently? I know. That's a problem. That's a problem. I spent like two hours watching High School Musical, Allie and AJ. Talking about the teacher on Cheetah Girls. Like, who remembers? Cheetah Girls. (laughs) Cheetah Girls was my junk back in the day. That's how you know I was. All right. Um, So with that being said, do you have any good news this week in Philadelphia? I think that is my good news. I've never been to Philly, so I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm going to try to go to at least one bookstore, of course, because that's my thing. Um, but yeah, that's probably the extent of it. And that another week is over and it's a long weekend for me. So no school Monday. No school at all? Mm-mm. For the whole district or you took off? For the whole district. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know why. I tried to look up if it was like a uh, racist holiday yeah. that we were acknowledging and nothing yeah. came up. So I will enjoy the day. Understandable. What about you? Um, I had an amazing week of teaching and learning this week. Um, my students are starting to get the picture now. Um, I know I asked for many people, many people's advice on, um, double entry journals and how to create them and how to do them of, you know, make them of quality and all that jazz. And they're finally starting to look better. They they got text evidence on the left. They got reactions on the right. They're making inferences. They're thinking and it's slowing down the reading process for them. So (laughs) I'm really excited to see where they go. Um, And it's just one of those unconventional data pieces that hardly gets acknowledged and looked at. But um, on Monday, I'll have them look through their journals and be like, you see where you are? Like, Look where you came from. Look at where you came <laughs> from. You used to just read just to read. Now you read and think. So that's the whole point. Thinking while we're reading. Because if you're not thinking while you're reading, then you're not really reading. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty good. That's my biggest piece of good news. And also being here in Philadelphia has been fantastic. I'm glad to be back in this city. I don't remember it being this cold. Ever. Probably because I came during the summer months. Well, there's global warming, too. There is global warming. That's that climate thing. report? Wow. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so it's good to be back here. The convening has been a overall um, a positive experience. Uh, there's a lot of energy in the room. Um, but with conferences, you know, it always comes a question of, taking what you learned and taking it back. And so I've been doing a lot of reflecting on how I participate in um, educational inequity um, and oppression of students with my own privilege as an educator and as a teacher, because with that authority comes privilege, right? So I've been thinking about that and kind of going back and reflecting on how I can be a better educator on Monday um, because the best part about our profession is that we get a chance to start something new every single day. Fresh start every day. So that's my good news this week. <laughs> You're so like such a motivational, I don't, not quite speaker, but it's like you find 
um, how do I say it? It's such a fresh outlook on what we do. I'm trying. It's so because so, if I yeah. didn't and if I don't, it's easy to get like bar- uh, buried in the negativity. Yes. And then when I talk to you, you're like, "But it's a new day, and we can try again." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Okay." That's the real. That's the real thing of it, though. We yeah. have to identify those problems, though, so that we, you know, I learned in the session today. Someone said, uh, "Identify those problems in your in." You know, like what's causing you burnout in an attempt to solve that there. Yeah. And then from there, you know, you can have that outlook. But don't just keep tripping over the same stone same thing, yeah. on the sidewalk. Because it's not, it's not going to change. No. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. So, guys, we're here again. <laughs> and I just want to discuss... You know, rather quickly because happy hour is waiting. But I've been wrestling with this question of are principles really necessary in schools or are they just in the way? I'm struggling with it. I'm kind of confused on the history of the role of the of being a principal. I don't really think I know enough about that. Maybe I researched that while we talk. But, you know, I feel like there were teachers before there were principals. And then they magically forget. <laughs> it's like you go to, I, I don't know. It's like as soon as you decide to be a principal, when you go through your training, you get brainwashed and forget what it was like to be in the classroom with 20-something children. Because in my experience, at least... Um, they become completely different people once they have other teachers to, I hate to use the word manage because I'm, I'm an adult and you're not about to manage me. No. Um, but people that they are over, um, so. But I was thinking that too, but I'm also thinking way back in the day, like black teachers on teaching day. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that. Maybe maybe even older than that. Before there were principals, there were just teachers. Yeah. Like there were no Like where did this other piece of management where come from? Where did this other piece of management come from? And and why is it really here? And the reason why I'm 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 having this discussion is not just because of the horror stories that I have with administrators like so many other teachers across this country. But I strongly believe in the power of teacher leadership. And to me, administration, principals, people who are paid to uplift and to help teachers to be better are in the way of true teacher leadership. That bothers me. Yeah, they are. They're in the way. They're in the way. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, they a lot of them produce or contribute to this culture of fear where you're afraid to take the risks that so many of us want to take because we're afraid of backlash from principles. Um, at least that's been my experience. And it brings up the, like today, Mark Lamont Hill, he, he was talking about how like the work you're doing, he can't promise, or the work you want to do with children, he can't promise that you're going to keep your job or that you're not going to get fired as a result. But it's when there's someone who above you who can say like yes or no to what you're doing with kids um, based on what their values and belief systems may be or what they're trying to uphold. um, It really stops a lot of us from doing great things with our kids. From your perspective, what do you think the role of a principal is in reality like today? I feel like they're just there to have meetings Um, like outside of I've never felt like I was mentored by a principal. Okay. I never felt like the feedback I got from any observation or any walkthrough really changed what I did in my classroom Mm -hmm. because it's never immediate. They come in, they take their notes. I see what they said seven days later when the lesson has come and gone. Um, And I'm probably not cycling back to it. It brings, I don't know. So 
as you begin to question it, now I'm starting to kind of, uh, no. well, why are they here? What, what good, like, who are they here for? Because a lot of times it's just discipline and parent meetings. And that's been my experience. And I think, like, ultimately, they should, what, what I think on paper they're meant to be, from a teacher's perspective, is that they're meant to be the liaison between the system and the ground. Yeah. Right. Like they're meant to be the liaison between the policy and the practitioners. But they're, but them being this middle manager almost to me has been very confusing. And I don't think that we've done a really good job as a country defining what an effective principle is and putting forth. A national, uh, making it a national priority that principals have to be evaluated and accountable, not just for student achievement, be but for the achievement and the growth of their teachers. Because when teachers grow, students grow, right? Yeah. But it seems like like they're kind of skipping over us. I'm curious to see that what they list out as the job requirements. Well, not job requirements, the job description. Um, And then to the accountability piece, like I know for so many teachers, the student input, at least in Dallas ISD, there's something that the students give that goes into the teacher um, appraisal. And Mm. I don't think it's just the test scores. Mm. There should be something like that for teachers to give on principles. Like I should have a say on the type of work that you're doing in our school, because if my students have a say in the type of work that I'm doing, why is it not? That should be like a two way street almost. So if it's not, if you're not working for us, I should be able to share that information and someone should be looking at this because for so many awful principals or principals who do awful things stay at campuses far longer than they need to because there's no accountability for the work that they're doing. Yeah. When I was. Coming up, in my first couple, in my first two years of teaching, I had really awful administrators who were managers. Um, one, you know, called my students ghetto, and that. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't tell you this. No. Oh, that's why I wasn't going to go into detail. So my students went outside for recess. He took them outside for recess one time. So they go out to recess. Apparently, they get into this big fight, the boys in the classroom. Uh-huh. He comes upstairs, red face, screaming mad, angry, tells the kids, this is not loving hip hop. Like, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. Oh. And this is like, you know, like, like this is like, y'all are acting ghetto, pretty much. So I'm like, oh, wow. So Yikes. Crazy. I I talked to him about, you know, how I felt, and he apologized. Um did he apologize to the kids? No. No. He did not. He did not. Um, I worked for an- another administrator um, who told me that I needed to stay in my place because I'm a first-year teacher. And first-year teachers don't get an opportunity to disagree with their ad- ad- with their administrator. And I think that that is where I've always come up with the issue is is the lack of check and checks and balances. You don't get to question anything. You don't get to question anything. Yeah. You don't get to question anything. And if you do question, you come off what's the word? Um insubordinate? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're not following a directive. No. Which is crazy to me. Hmm. Maybe it's not so much that principles shouldn't exist. Or maybe they're just not doing what they're meant to do. Or maybe it's that they're responsible for too much. I don't even, I don't know. Because you have the principal, then you have the assistant principal. And like, how different are those two roles? I'm not sure. But even with us questioning, it's concerning that we don't know that is, that is really concerning. And now I kind of want to, I'm going to go look at the job description oh, and I'm going to be like, um, well, I see that they're like in your head. You're like, I see that they're not doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. Man. But ultimately we don't, 
as teachers on this podcast right now, we can tell you that we don't know what the role of principals are. Our direct supervisor or our direct manager, whoever, because that's how principals have, I work for four principals now. Three out of those four principals have presented themselves to me as managers, not mentors, not people who have said, hey, I'm going to guide you on this journey. Um, but are they supposed to? I'm wrestling with, with that. It's like, should I expect for my principal to mentor and guide me and walk me through? And But if they don't, like who does? You can't expect that to fall on your fellow teachers either. I know we have mentor teachers who help you like your first year, but while we do help each other and we share and we collaborate and we lean on each other, I would never expect a fellow teacher to provide the type of mentoring I would expect from someone who is in a quote-unquote leadership position on my campus. But I think that that happens like automatically because principals don't accept the role of like mentor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I, I did this little Twitter poll and it actually got like like 235 oh wow um votes and i and i I just say like who do you think most for your growth as a teacher and many people said they're students Uh but those people who did vote 70 percent of them said other teachers while three percent now this is just a little bitty poll now this could you know yeah don't take this as like (laughs) harvard data but 3% of teachers said that they would thank their administrator for their growth as a teacher. That's awful. That's concerning to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. That's concerning to me. But then too, how often are you really interacting with the administration on your campus? And that's something too. I know I can go days without seeing my administrators. Which to me is odd. So look, I'm not a I'm we can still have a principal. That's fine. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm not gonna get into the solution. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had like I have worked in schools where I would go days without seeing my principal, or they would constantly leave early and come late, or they would just be very like unavailable. I've I have had one amazing principal. Um well, one principal who I really consider to be like a second dad almost. Um, he was just always available and presented himself as a mentor and presented himself as, um, or excuse me, always just willing to talk through curriculum, always popping into the classroom and formally. And when the formal observation came through, like, I just felt like, my natural self, you know, because when observations come through, it's like, <gasps> yeah, the principal's here. Not really because I'm intimidated by the principal, but because there's a stranger in my room. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel where I am now because I see my admin more often than I have in the past. I'm not on edge when they walk in to do an observation. It's just like, hi, thanks for joining us. Go ahead and have a seat. And the kids are fine because they come in every morning and they say hello and they say good morning. And so the kids are not on edge and super curious about who this extra person in the classroom is, which like it does make a difference um, seeing them regularly. I looked up the qualifications for an assistant principal in Texas and you only have to have taught two years. What? To take the test. Now, I, I know a lot of places won't hire you unless you have more years, um, more classroom experience, but we know in so many schools where it's hard to staff the school, they often will hire people who only taught two years. And like, how can you really mentor and guide other teachers and you only taught two years? You don't even know what you were teaching. But that's the whole point. It's like, do we or should we see principals as instructional leaders? Because if if there's one thing I've learned at this conference is that leadership is leadership. Organize like organ like organizing people like 
it seems like that is completely separate from being a master instructor. That's what it seems like. I don't know. I I don't know. So I'm looking at the job description okay. of an assistant principal. Okay. Um, and their their purpose is to assist the school principal in the overall administration of the instructional program and operations at the campus level. They need a thorough understanding of school administrative operations, strong communication, public relations, and interpersonal skills. So based off that, I would not – it doesn't seem like that's part of their job description, like mm. what we're asking for. So now I want to – I don't know if maybe – like how much do they make for doing that? I feel like some of some of what these positions are, like I could easily <laughs> – well, in D.C., assistant principals are making roughly about $100,000. Oh. $100,000. Oh. And teachers in D.C. can make $100,000, but they're starting off half that, fifty. You see why people are ready to jump out the class? I know. <laughs> they're ready to jump out because they want some money. Another $50,000. i will take it. I'll take it. That's ridiculous and crazy. Wow. But I think we should also ask ourselves, like, why is it that we don't know what the position of our principal is? Why don't we know their job description? Like, So I looked a little bit, and I searched the position of a principal in, a, in the seventh largest district in our country. And... It doesn't say anything about having to really mentor teachers or interact too deeply with them. Um, it says you need to have just demonstrated leadership experience. What did you find? Um, it, wait, but I'm sorry. This is really troubling. Yeah. The fact that I'm just now looking up what a principal does and I'm not finding anything in the job description about... <laughs> and the fact that I'm not finding anything in the job description about how they're supposed to interact with teachers. In D.C., they say that, that they should build successful interpersonal relationships with faculty, staff members, family, community members, and students, and listen and communicate with them. Managing the changing process, making tough decisions to move the school and students forward. Um, and this is where I think people have told me in my DMs that why principles are necessary. And they said because there, there should be one person involved or responsible for setting the vision or the arc or setting the vision and implementing the vision of the school. And that that is too much um, for several people to do or too much to do when there's not one person in charge of it, but one person should be in charge and making sure that the the school is meeting its goals. I don't agree with that, though. I, I think it's it's so possible to have the same end goal and same vision and to come up with that collaboratively with the teachers, the students, the community, the state, like people who have, who have a vested interest in the outcome of the school. Like one person should not be the determining factor for that. Exactly. Exactly. Especially if they are not required to showcase their instructional expertise. And so I guess this is what I envision. I have two visions and you tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. So the first is that a school, and I know that, that these schools exist, but schools without principals, they are called teacher powered schools. Um, and basically, teachers have collective autonomy to take on all of the, you know, administrative tasks. So we divide them and maybe one person is over maintenance or one person is, you know, there's a team of um, best practices. There's a team of parent engagement or, or, or whatever. But teachers have the collective autonomy to get shit Done. Which we do. Amen. My second option is you want principals to be, you know, you well, people want one person to be in charge, one person to do this or whatever. They need a liaison between the policy 
and the practitioners. That's fine. I do think that, that that's necessary. Principals should not be evaluating teachers. Who's supposed to evaluate us? Teachers can evaluate one another. That would be amazing. Principals, remove principals like from the classroom, like the whole classroom period, because they many of them don't teach anyway. Many of them have forgotten what it's like to teach. Many of them have, and I speak from my own experience, have strained relationships with their teachers because of this really weird and unnecessary hierarchy in schools. And so just get rid of them. Or take them or take them away from the teachers and the principal can be a super support staff. But unless like there is a you know a, a dire need, I I don't think that principals should um be solely evaluating teachers. I do like the idea of a head teacher or master teachers in schools who have put in their years and who have um, shown their commitment to the school community. But I don't think that that should be the role of an administrator. But what about the one? Okay. So obviously someone's going to ask, well, who's going to deal with discipline? Like when the fights break out and when things just, when things hit the fan, who's going to come in if we don't have a principal? Right. So the way I see it is that not all teachers teach at the same time. And so okay. maybe there's one administrator on duty from 8 to 10 or 8 to 11 or whatever. And this is radical, right? It's, this is like, it takes some really rewiring and rethinking um, yeah. of like what a typical school day would look like. But maybe one administrator is on duty. Or maybe you hire somebody who deals with discipline. Dean of discipline. Maybe not a dean, but like <laughs> maybe somebody who's like certified in behavior yeah. interventions and somebody who's certified in like de-escalation. Yeah. I think we have to do something different. The teacher turnover is completely ridiculous. Um, there was a study that came out that said that 81% of black teachers, if I'm getting this right, leave their school because of administration. Oh, yeah. I believe that. 81% is not surprising at all. Not the kids, not the behavior, not the lesson plans, not the standardized testing, not the racism. Like, it's like, it's because of the administrators. I tell you, it's the adults. That's scary to me. And I am so passionate about teachers staying in classrooms. I'm really passionate about like recruiting more teachers, but we have to redesign the system of creating teacher-centered schools because when you create teacher-centered schools, then the hope is that investing in teachers will in turn invest in your students. I feel like you really want to preach and you're trying to hold I'm back. Not, but <laughs> I guess I'm just like, I'm frustrated, you know, based on my own experiences. I'm frustrated based on the things that people tell me. I'm frustrated for other people because of the 3% who, like only 3% of people are saying that they can thank that, that they can thank their administrator for helping them to grow when that is what they are paid to do. Yeah. That's crazy to me and pay double our salary to get it done. <sighs> it's a mess. We have to trust in teacher leadership, and we have to get creative with what true schooling looks like. Um, we're making things too complicated. I think we all like it's become a situation of how do you, how do you say it? Like um, you're doing the same thing over and over, respect expecting different results. Yeah, and we just need to let go of it. Like. The model that we have, the system that we have, the roles that we all have in the school, like we know it's not working, but we're doing the same thing over and over, year after year, year after year, expecting things to change or things to turn out differently. Um, I don't know. You need to open your own school. Is that oh, what? no. No, oh, no. <laughs> I, I would love to open my own school, but I would have to hire another teacher who likes to deal with money and budgeting yeah. and fundraising because I hate that stuff. But uh, again- 
it takes I think independent a yeah it takes a village but independent independent schools um I think are an amazing way to start to reimagine what it could be like but then you want to be able to offer it to all children and right what would that look like you know I don't know I will say in many independent schools there are teachers who are still in the classroom as I've mentioned on, on this podcast before um and I think that that is commendable and and we need more administrators who are who are willing to step back into the classroom. Um, one last thing is I'll say that one other administrator s- stepped into my um, my DMs and told me that a principal is certainly necessary to help deal with um, bad teachers or conflict between adults in the building. I don't know. I don't know. The times I've had interactions with other teachers, it's, I don't know, it feels like that kind of makes you feel like a child when another adult has to come in and correct the situation. I don't. Or maybe we just, you know, create some restorative system for our school so that when there's a conflict, we handle it as a community and we solve it and we move forward. The things we do with kids, why don't we just... I don't know. <laughs> Why don't we? Why don't we? So we're ranting. Clearly. <laughs> we're ranting. Um, now he has me like ready to look for school without a principal. I know. Like, what does this look like? <laughs> what does it look like? I am looking for schools to visit that are teacher centered or teacher powered and that do not have teachers. Oh, I'm sorry, do not have principals um, or the principal who you know, is either a head teacher or something of that degree. I'm I'm looking for non-traditional schools just to kind of see how they look like yeah. and to see what the data looks like as well. Um, see how kids are actually learning there and, and um, from climate to academics. I just wonder. I just wonder. Hmm. You're so funny. <laughs> Yeah. And we're back. You can send. <laughs> Live in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> you can send your questions to commonsensepod at gmail.com or through our website at commonsensepod.com. So let's get it. I have a question. Okay. <laughs> Should I tell them what just happened? <laughs> I'll keep that one to myself. So awkward. <laughs> That's why we can't not be in person <laughs> at all. Okay, here's the question. Do y'all have any tips on talkative students who don't care about consequences? I feel like we've addressed this. Um, I mean... Talking about what is the question, you know, like talking to be disruptive, talking because they're bored, like talking to be defiant, like talking is a many times a developmentally appropriate thing. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. It's kind of because I'm in kindergarten, obviously. So whenever my kids start talking, a lot of times I have to step back and remind myself, you know, you're developing your oral language skills. And while it may be in the middle of my lesson, unless I'm like really trying to power through something, a lot of times I'll stop and let it happen and then get back on topic with whatever we're doing. Because Mm -hmm. what I have to say is not more important than you practicing the way that we use our language, at least like with five-year-olds. Dismantle the hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really important. And if you're mad, give them something to talk about. I think too, a lot of times... They don't have enough time to talk. They don't. And that's Silent. why they're talking. Yeah. Shh. Si- si- level zero. Shh. My kids came into kindergarten knowing about level zero, and I'm just like, who catch, taught you that? Catch a bubble. Silent. From the time they walk in in the morning to the time they walk out of the door. Silent, silent. Shh, shh, shh. I mean, I'm a chatterbox now, and I was a chatterbox in school, and I did not care about consequences because if I wanted to talk, I was going to talk. Didn't matter who you moved me next to. Didn't matter what you told me. And my mom knew I was going to talk. So, what did um, Maverick saying the hate you give? Oh, you didn't see the movie yet. I haven't seen the movie yet. No. Don't know. Don't. Don't never. 
Wait, what'd he say? He, he said, you talk when you're ready to talk. Don't ever make nobody. Wait. No, that's not what he said. Yes. That, yeah, that's oh, it, man. right? It's from the trailer. He said, you talk when you're ready to talk. Don't ever make, let nobody make you be quiet. I was like, come on then. That wasn't in the book, but I felt that. (laughs) Artistic liberty. (laughs) Adding stuff. Oh, God. Okay. So I I guess I don't really... I think you need to be mindful of how old the students are. Be mindful of how much time you're spending talking and think of other ways that you can provide extra time for them to talk. A lot of times in my lessons, as soon as I say something, we do a turn and talk because they need to talk about it. Um, and that's really that's really cut down on what I viewed as interruptions while I was teaching. And I also, I'm trying to do better about it, but I set a timer for when I'm teaching so that I'm not up there just going on and on and on yes. because it's easy to lose sight of the point you're, well, not lose sight of what you're trying to teach, but once they start providing feedback and you're going back and forth, it, it just draws out and then kids are, they're going to start talking. And give them the timer. Yep. So that they can wave it in your face and tell you. I have it on my phone and I put the time up like in a spot where they can kind of see it. And Mm -hmm. they'll look at me and they're like, it's almost time. Yes, I know. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate that. Okay. One more question. What are the most effective methods for parents to advocate for change in the public school system? That's a loaded question. It is. There are so many things that parents can do. Organize. I think that is their biggest organizing is kind of parents' biggest weapon, getting together with a group of parents and having a list of demands and, you know, and wants for their child and demanding that, like, there's nothing more powerful than a PTA or a PTO. They go by PTO now, I think. Okay. Well, a, a, a parent organization, like, I've seen some really strong parent organizations like advocate for some amazing things. I've seen some really strong parent organizations raise tens of thousands of dollars for their kids. I've seen some strong parent organizations that have gotten some folks in trouble. So I think. Yeah. I feel I have mixed feelings about PTOs because they're typically only very powerful in communities where there are lots of extra resources. Mm. Um, and then it becomes a question of them like subsidizing public, ha- public education even more, which you want the best for your child, but it just widens the, the gap. Um, I think for me being informed and knowing where to turn to get information about what's happening in your district is a, is a great method. Um, when I was teaching my first year, the administration and the district were not very forthcoming with like in, what was going to happen with the school, things that were happening with the children. And the parents didn't know any better because no one had told them that they could request this information or that this was supposed to happen when X happened. Like in Texas, when your class size goes over 22 or your child is being taught by someone who's not certified in the subject, you're supposed to get a letter. And you're supposed to be able to request that your child be moved. Um, wow. And they were not doing that. And the parents, you know, if you don't know the laws, then you can't request better for your child. So mm. knowing where in your community, um, who can be a resource and a guide for helping you navigate the requirements or navigate what a school should be providing you with and letting you know what's happening in the school because we know oftentimes like the parents are not able to show up during the school day. Yeah. Um, or in the evening. Or in the evening. Yeah. So or in the morning. You got things going on. You're working. <laughs> like we get it. But being aware of where to turn to get more information is I think one of the most effective things you can do because no one can take away the information that you have. And when you're armed with information, you can, plan to do something and then you can organize and make a make change so meet parents where they are let's help them get educated on the policies organize and act yeah you have to be willing to do that I I know my first year because of where I was I openly told I say openly and with air quotes I openly told them that they could request their child to be sent to another school um 
Uh-oh. Because of things that were happening at my school. Oh. Um, and had anyone said, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Well, why not? Like, that's their legal right. Right. So you, I, I wish someone would have came to me and said I wasn't supposed to inform parents of that. <gasps> so. I think the steps you take, it doesn't, they don't have to be huge drastic steps, right? Just ways to empower parents. Because they really are um, just as important as our students. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got our first update. So the last thing is, do you remember that girl who um, was trying to figure out how to teach about slavery and she only had one black girl in the class? Yeah. I think that was two episodes ago. I think so, yeah. We're actually really late on this, guys. But we wanted to open up the inbox and kind of share what she said. She said, thank you for the time, taking the time to answer my question regarding tokenism in your most recent episode. It was hard to hear you laugh as I'm trying to find safe places and materials and reading to ask honest questions. I recognize the importance of listening first and hopeful for personal and professional growth. Yikes. Well, we wasn't laughing we at you. We weren't laughing at you. We're, <laughs> we apologize. I'm so sorry that It's like that awkward was, laughter, yeah. but- it's just like a fucked up situation. That's kind of why we... Ooh, sorry. Is that too much? Yikes. Okay. It was just a messed up situation that it's just like sometimes you laugh just to keep yourself from crying at the foolishness that happens in our schools. So we were not laughing at you. <sighs> Your answer aligns with my practice and environment I build. I provide a lot of student inquiry in my fifth grade classroom. Last year topics including race, blah, 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 blah. Then she says, while at times I'm nervous about how parents or administration may respond to the reading and analyzing of perspectives my students do, I am mostly sensitive to those that identify as non-white. I apologize for saying, with so few characters available in IG stories, it was how I decided in the moment to articulate the racial diversity in my classroom. Again, you don't have to apologize to us, just do better. I know... That's me saying that. That's not what she said. I know I can only provide so much to a child that identifies differently than me, racially, religiously, etc. But I do also know that above all else, I value and respect all learners. I appreciate your affirmation of that philosophy. Kindly, this teacher. Okay. Well, I'm glad she's being reflective. Yeah. Uh, You know, and... I won't say we well, we won't laugh again, but I think that situations like this happen all the time. Yeah, yeah. And thankfully, you're pushing yourself to be an advocate when you really don't have to be, and when many people like you are not for people who look like homegirl. So keep up the good work, sis. Keep teaching. Keep pushing the norms. And don't Stop caring about what your parents and your administrators say. Just stop. Calm down. Who cares? Do what's best for your kids. I mean, sometimes Go ahead. you're concerned about keeping your job, right? But uh, <laughs> Are you? Get to, are you concerned? God damn it. And on that note, I have, we- a, I have a quote for us. We do have a quote this week. Y'all know I love Maria Montessori. We're back at it again. And this comes from um, her book, To Educate the Human Potential, that was gifted to me by a dear fellow teacher, Tiffany. So thank you, Tiffany. It says, not in the service of any political or social creed should the teacher work, but in the service of a complete human being, able to exercise in freedom a self-disciplined will and judgment, unperverted by prejudice and undistorted by fear. Mm. That last bit is what gets me undistorted by fear. Cause recently it's been like, how bad do you want to keep your job? Oh. <laughs> oh. Really though. You, I mean, honestly, I fear no one. Clearly. In a school setting because there's no room for fear yeah. in a job that is, rooted in love or supposed to be rooted in love. And I think too, if you're questioning, like, is this going to make me lose my job? Is this, is this a, like, is this okay here? Maybe that's not the place for you. It's, I told a young man that today. Yeah. I, I said, maybe you need to go to a different school. Yeah. 
where you have administrators who aren't placing a blanket of fear over you, mm-hmm. who aren't threatening to fire you because they feel a certain kind of way and because they have the authority to do so. Yeah. There's, there are other places out there for you. There, there are. So many schools, so many students, so many needs. So let's meet them. Let's meet them. We ultimately have to start doing something different, guys. We cannot keep doing the same old, same old, same old from the block. What song is that? (laughs) I don't know. I'm done with you. No, that's the song. (laughs) Same old. Oh, OT Genesis. Oh, okay. Everybody mad. Yeah. Because everybody is mad. Everybody is mad, yeah. (laughs) Including me. So I'm mad, but I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to keep pushing schools to place more power in the hands of teachers and really clearly defining the roles of principals um, and ultimately having instructional leaders lead instruction and teachers, you know, co-lead that and principals being that liaison, but I'm not sure they should have anything to do with teaching. That's just where I'm going to leave that with that. I'm still pondering. I actually don't really know, guys. I'm still figuring it out. This is just based on my four years of shitty administrators. We, I would love to hear from any of y'all if you go back and look up the job description for a principal where you teach um, and what it includes. So if you're willing to share that, I would love to hear that. And we would love to hear positive administrative stories. Yes. Please, if you're an administrator, you're a principal, it makes you feel value, makes you want to continue teaching, make you want to continue doing fantastic things. Please, please, please reach out to us so that we can know what it is that we're doing. So that when I create this new school that's without principles, <laughs> I know what values to look for. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to the Philadelphia Happy Hour. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time.